So we're going to talk a little bit about Mary this morning. And as we talk about it, I think she could have echoed some of the words from that song, My Roots Go Deep. No matter what else is going on around me, my roots go deep. I'm going to challenge the rest of you to have your roots go deep as well. In that song, it said, I must stay conscious through the madness and the chaos. My roots must go deep. And if ever there was a time where we need to do that, it's that time again now. But I don't know there's ever been a time when we haven't needed to have our roots go deep. There is something about this Mary, Mary, that they just don't know. You all know that, that movie, Something About Mary? <laughs> you know, something they just don't know. Well, we love the Mary with the little blue shawl and the white habit and how sweet and how, uh, how she is just so precious and how our young people can play that Mary. You all know her? That's not who we're talking about today. We're talking about the Mary whose roots go really deep. But I do want you to remember our young people who were dancing this morning. Because as they were dancing this morning, as we talk about Mary, I want you to remember them because that's how old she was. All of those people dancing across. That's probably the age range, right smack in the middle of those who are dancing for us today. So when we think of Mary this day, think of that young teen. When we think of how she's affected our world, think of that young person but, you know, Mary knew a little bit about hard times, don't you think? A little bit about hard times, about it, what it meant to form a family when you're pregnant and you have to tell him he's not the father. A little bit about hard times. Mary knew something about hard times, about the gossip and others' expectations and what might have not matched anymore. But Mary knew her roots went deep. Mary knew what it meant to have to take the family, go somewhere else that's not your home, so that you can be registered. So that the people who are in power and control can have you numbered and can know where you are. So our holy family, we like to call them, had to go and get registered. Mary knows a little bit after that about having a baby when no one would let her in and creating a sanctuary out of a manger. We're talking about someone who knew something about hard times. She even knew what it was like to then have to go into exile and become a refugee because it wasn't safe for her family where they were. Oh, goodness, this is our holy family. This is our story of faith. As we think about this family and what's going on in our world today, keep Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in your hearts and minds because this is core to what our values are formed from this first family of ours. Mary knew a bit about hard times. You know, as we hear some this week, last week was, uh, Friday was Holocaust Day of Remembrance. I don't know if you're aware of that, January 27th. It's the Liberation Day from Auschwitz when those who were in that concentration camp were freed. Those who were still alive were freed. So on January 27th, there were different things we did to remember the Holocaust. And there was one website, they planned this for a while, and it was just so powerful to me. They listed a name every five minutes on the website of someone who had died in a concentration camp. Another name would go up every five minutes of a person who had died in a concentration camp. And we were asked to remember and to pray 
for that particular name. It wasn't just any set of names. It was the set of names of those who were aboard the ship, the St. Louis. The St. Louis that had 900 Jewish people on it who came to the U.S. in 1939. It was the St. Louis that the U.S. said, no, we will not accept your refugees. And we sent the 900 back to Germany. And so the names, and they didn't run out of them all day, every five minutes, a name of each person who was on the St. Louis that the U.S. refused to receive as a refugee. And then it was where they died, Auschwitz, another concentration camp throughout the day. Our struggle with people who are different from us causes harm. People who are refugees are in danger. Our holy family was a refugee family. How are we called to respond? If our roots go deep, we know the story. If our roots go deep, we can respond out of our faith because we know this is a part of who we are as a people that we are a refugee people. We are a people who know a little bit about hard times and what it means to go into a foreign land. But before all of this hard time stuff, some of it's happened, but not all of it, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She goes to visit her cousin in the country because Elizabeth also is pregnant, and it's a little bit unusual. She's really kind of too old to be having babies. You know, so Mary thinks they might have something in common. She's a little too unwed to have babies. You know, so they go together uh, to talk to one another. And as they meet, as these two women meet, the baby in John in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And Elizabeth says, oh, your baby's going to be special, Mary. And Mary then sings a song. We know it as the Magnificat in the Gospel of Luke. Mary sings a song. And it's not a little blue shawl, white habit song. It's a song about a vision of what the kingdom is supposed to look like. It's a song about what justice is supposed to be like. And in her song, she says, the hungry will be full. The poor will have what they need. Those who are rich will be empty. Those on thrones will lose them. It's interesting because I believe the song is a hard one for us to hear from Mary, the mother of Jesus, but it is her vision of what the kingdom looks like. And what it really is is a song about how everyone needs healing. Everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs to find in the world what it is they need, and God's commitment is to do that so that everyone can be made whole and everyone can be healed. Don't you know I've been in the place sitting on a throne that needed to be toppled? Have you ever been there? You know, more than once in my life, I remember. Usually had to do with my younger sisters, but still, that throne needed to be toppled. I know I've been in places in my life where the emptiness is what made my faith grow. So maybe sometimes we're a little bit too full and need to be emptied in order to find God anew in our life. So Mary's singing a song of wholeness for everyone, so those without have, those that have may not, so that they may be healed. She's also talking about class. She's also talking about money. She's also talking about justice and what it means for people to have enough. 
But what does it mean for us to hear Mary's vision? So far, the four women in Jesus' story has been kind of nice. We've talked about them. But now Mary is not just working for her whole family. Mary is preaching to everyone, this is what the world is supposed to look like. And some of you are saying to me, Troy, you know, they put those words in her mouth later when they wrote that gospel. You know, when it got put together, you know, she was an old woman, maybe, or dead. And so they just put those words in her mouth. I'll tell you, I think the community of Luke probably knew Mary. And they wrote a hymn that matched who she was. And then they placed it right in her words when she knew she was safe to start singing. You know, you got to watch out when the women start singing. You got to watch out when there's more than one of them singing and then there's the whole group singing. You just got to watch out. There may be something from God about to happen, something that we need to pay attention to. She sings with Elizabeth and then they sing for the world. Watch out. The women have been singing a lot recently. The lowly raised, the hungry full, the rich emptied, the proud scattered. Can our roots go that deep that we can let God heal us? There are lots of other Magnificats. Lots of them actually kind of rhyme with Mary's song. And in 1851 at the Ohio Women's Convention, Sojourner Truth sang her song. She had a very famous sermon in this, and the very famous line is it, Ain't I a woman? And she was talking to a group of white women who were only working for their vote and not for the vote for black women alongside the white women. So she said, ain't I a woman? My skin is black, but ain't I a woman? That's a very famous quote from that sermon. But then Sojourner turns her attention from the white women in the room to all the men in the room. You ready? She turns her attention to all the men in the room. What she says to the men is, the male clergy, you men, you claim that women can't be preachers. Mm Mm-hmm. You men claim that women can't be preachers. And she says, ask the men at the convention, where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. (laughs) As she's singing a song, Ain't I a Woman? Man had nothing to do with him. As Sojourner Truth told that truth, we continue to sing songs of liberation and to hold up how we can help those without have and those have have less so that God may work in their lives. Some of our queer theologians have had fun. They've taken off of Sojourner Truth, and they've said, well, you know, she was kind of right. And our lesbian comics have this one little routine they do, and they say, well, you know, I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, she's my girl. Holy Spirit's divine feminine, often in Scripture, and we often call the Holy Spirit Sophia if you look at the Hebrew word for it. And so Sophia, the Holy Spirit, and she says, you know, when Sophia and Mary got together, they say, I can work with that. <laughs> I can work with So, So we have people talking about these differences of what does it mean to look at the way Scripture happens. Man, you had nothing to do with that. 
she said. And sometimes theologians will look at this part of the scripture and say, it all has to do with the badness of sex. You know, for Jesus to do what Jesus did, he had to be born without sin, and that meant without sex. So this whole thing is about the badness of sex. I think that's their issue. I really do. Watch out what they're preaching. It just might be their issue. So I know you're going to hold me account when we do this. But I don't believe it's about that. When we talk about Caesar and the kings and the rulers of the day, the pharaohs, they were all about merging power and violence. And they made super violence and they made super nations and they acted out of that place of power and authority and they caused harm and they had slaves and they made a, an empire based on the back of others. That's what leadership was in the day and time of Jesus. The occupation of Rome in Israel and Palestine. So what does it mean if this isn't about sex at all? What if it means this is about subverting violence? I want to read a bit to you from Brian McLaren. This is a different kind of leader, Jesus entirely. One who doesn't rule with the masculine power of swords and spears, but with a mother's sense of justice and compassion. And then he goes on, in Luke's telling of the birth of Jesus, God aligns with the creative feminine power of womanhood rather than the violent masculine power of statehood. The doctrine of the virgin birth, it turns out, isn't about bypassing sex, but about subverting violence. The violent power of top-down patriarchy is subverted not by counter-violence, but by the creative power of pregnancy. The creative power of pregnancy, subverting violence, subverting the world as it is, subverting the pressures that keep the, the ones on top and the ones on bottom, the ups and the downs, and making sure all have what they need to be whole. What if that's what the story is about, subverting violence? Mary's song makes a lot of sense if it's about subverting violence. So we've had these women during this series, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Tamar did a great job holding Judah accountable to the core values of the faith. Her roots went deep, and she said, you have to be fair. Then Rahab made new allies. And then we get the story of Ruth, who again had to bring them back to the core values of their faith. Hospitality to the stranger. Ruth made them do that. And then Bathsheba made allies again. I wonder if our message for today ultimately is this is what we need to do. Dig our roots deep into the core values of our faith and make allies. Dig deep into the core values of our faith and make allies. Then you need Mary to come along and sing out the vision. This is what the world is about. This is who God calls us to be. Can you be a part of that world? Can your roots go that deep. I really like Mary with the little blue shawl on. Right? But this is the Mary of the Magnificat who promotes a vision of a world as God wants it to be. A pastor, Reverend John Pavlovitz, has been writing some good stuff these days. His blog is called, um, I think it's called, Stuff That Needs to Be Said. Stuff that needs to be said. And here's a quote from one of his recent posts. 
Christianity was never meant to hold power. It was always supposed to be the active resistance to power. The people of Jesus were the greatest underdogs, always surrounded by the bullies of Rome, always pushing back against Caesar, always fighting for the maligned and the disregarded, always championing for the value of all people to the ceremonially religious who would protect only a few always against the bullies of Rome, always the greatest of underdogs, never bent, meant to be in power or to be co-opted by power. Oh, goodness. Mary, can you sing it a little bit louder? Can you sing it for everyone to hear? Maybe, maybe more of us can come along. So we have Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and then Mary, and then, you know, we get Jesus and wouldn't you know it, Jesus sings his mom's song. Jesus' first public event, and he opens up the scrolls to Isaiah and says, this is the year of the Lord's favor. The prisoner is going to be free. The oppressed, no more. The captives, no more. Jesus sings the Magnificat, pulling it out of the scripture, pulling it out of Isaiah. He sings his mom's song. We as Christians need to let our roots go that deep. We need to be conscious right in the midst of all the chaos and have our roots go deep into God's love. Now is the time, every day is the time, to sing the Magnificat, to sing the song that Jesus learned from mom and then shared with the world. These are our values. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. These are our values. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or liberal or progressive or conservative or any of those things. These are our values. Can your roots go that deep? Because if your roots go that deep amid all the noise, you'll be grounded in God's love. You'll be grounded in Jesus' mission for the whole world. Thanks be to God. Amen.